Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, we love you, Lord. As we go to your word right now, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Lord, we know the words of man are a waste of time, but the word of God goes forth with power. So give us ears to hear, your spirit will save us. We have Pastor Doug as he ministers uh, to our, our youth, our junior hires and high schoolers. Uh, be with those who are ministering down in the children's ministry. Uh, speak to them and through them, Lord. We ask that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. By the way, if you need a Bible, you don't have a Bible, you need one. We have some. Just raise your hand. We'll get you one right over here. Right over here. Got to make sure I'm not making this stuff up. Can I get an amen? amen? Make sure it's in God's word. All right. So Thessalonians, let me catch you up briefly and then we'll get into the text. We do also have outlines that you can follow along. So this morning, we're going to finish looking at, at the, two, the second of the two letters Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. Thessalonica is a church surrounded by pagan idolatry. It was a very wealthy city. It was near the ocean. And it was in that city where Paul had been there for just three weeks. And in those three weeks, he was there. It was part of the Macedonian call. For those of you who are Bible students, where Paul saw a man from Macedonia summoning him. And the first place he went to was Philippi. And there he was jailed. And when he was released, the next place he went to was Thessalonica. He was only there for three weeks. And a lot of people got saved. And he planted a church there. But after three weeks, he was chased out of town by both the ungodly pagan people and some of the religious people who didn't uh, want him to preach the message he was preaching. So he was only there for three weeks. And uh, some times go by less than a year. And Paul gets a letter. And there's questions about what's going on. They don't understand. And they have questions. And their biggest thing they were concerned about was the rapture of the church. So Paul was only there for three weeks and he taught them about end times. He taught them to live every day in anticipation that Jesus could come back. Now I hear this a lot. Here's the criticism we hear. People have been talking about Jesus coming back for 2,000 years. You know what that means? We're 2,000 years closer. Can I get an amen? And if we live every day in light of the fact that he could come back any day, we'll never regret it. And that what the enemy wants us to do, he wants us to just forget about the fact that the Lord could return and, and have us just get so caught up in the world that we're so, we're so earthly minded that we're no heavenly good. So Paul wrote that first letter and then some follow up questions came. They were blessed by the first letter and in 2 Thessalonians, they had, they had received a letter that was forged. Someone signed Paul's name saying the rapture had already happened and you missed it. And that's kind of a bummer if you think you're going. Can I get an amen? So Paul reminds them and lets them know, no, that's not the case. Guys, here's the reality. We're going to close our eyes on earth. We're going to open them up in glory. Amen? That Christians don't move, die. We just move to a much better neighborhood. And the rapture is something that we look forward to. We're looking for the coming of Christ. Amen? And he defined the rapture and the second coming. The rapture is Christ coming for us. And the second coming at the end of that seven-year tribulation is Christ coming with us. So if you were here last week, um, I, I don't know if the CDs are available yet. You can always go to our website. It was really a theological uh, message on the difference between uh, what we would call Reformed theology. Because Paul, Paul addresses both the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. And if you only believe in one of those, you're going to have a problem. Can I get an amen? If you only believe in the sovereignty of God and you take man's free will out of the way, then our God is a God who, who, who you know, makes a bunch of robots who either are forced to serve him or are given no chance to serve him. On the other extreme, if you only believe in the free will of man, then you can lose your salvation every single day. You have no assurance of heaven. Here's the good news. God is sovereign. We have free will. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. No one can snatch us out of his hand. And once saved, always saved. Can I get an amen to that? 
Once you're born again, your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. We need not be fearful. See, God has not given us a spirit of fear because we have an eternal perspective. Amen? So now as we come to chapter 3, he's finishing up this letter. He's been encouraging them. And he's going to now become really practical. Paul loves to do that. He loves to encourage them. And then at the end of it, he begins, as they're facing, you know, they're facing persecution. They're going through a lot of great difficulty. And he wants to just give them some practical ways to live every day in light of the fact that Jesus is coming back. And as we look at this final chapter, Paul's final words to these precious and beloved saints of Thessalonica, believers living in a world of pagan idolatry and those that were zealous for a lie, as well as living in the hope and expectation of Jesus' soon return, there's some very real and practical application, not only for them, but for our lives today. So grab your outline if you have it. We'll go through this quickly, and then we'll dig into the text. So first, he lets them know, and I tell the message, how Christ's soon return should impact our daily lives. How should you and I, because Jesus could come back any day, how should we live every day, in light of the fact that that's true. Number one, it should impact our prayer life. We're going to see Paul as he asks for prayer. Paul's a guy that you would think would never ask for prayer. Because this guy seems so bold. This guy seems like such a, you know, a giant among Christians in a lot of ways. He seems fearless. But Paul always asks for prayer. You see it throughout scripture. And you know why he asks for prayer? Because he knows in his own strength he can do nothing. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? See, the reason that some of us are a little shy about sharing our faith or, 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 or we're, we're living a life and we're not seeing a lot of the power of the Lord in our lives is because there needs to be less of us and more of Him. And we need to be people who are constantly in prayer. He's going to show what we pray for and how often we ask others to pray for us. Secondly, along with our prayer life being impacted by the fact that Jesus could come back any day, what we put our faith in. What are you putting your faith in? If you're putting your faith in anything that you can lose, your faith is going to be like a roller coaster ride. Amen? If you put your faith in something that you cannot lose, in the one we cannot lose, the one, again, who will never leave us nor forsake us, the faithful God. Again, a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. So are you putting your faith in your job, in your bank account, in your own abilities? If you put your faith in any of those things, we've seen with COVID, all that stuff can be taken away in a moment. Amen? So what do we put our faith in? Our own ability or the faithfulness of God. And then finally, and you're going to go, wow, I'm glad I visited this church today. How we deal with sinful behavior within the church. Paul's going to address it. And it's not going to be the sinful behavior you're thinking of, probably. And so he's going to address, because something was taking place within the church, and it needed to be addressed, and Paul's going to do that. And then finally, we're going to see that every time we exhort people, it should be seasoned with grace. Can I just say this? Our God is a holy God, but he's also a loving God. Amen? And I want you to know, Jesus loves you. Can I get an amen? He loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. You are his treasured possession. Amen? amen. And you need to be, we need to be reminded of the grace of God and the mercy of God and the love of God. But we must never ignore the holiness of God at the same time. Amen? So let's begin there looking at how Christ's soon return should impact our daily lives. So he's been exhorting them. He's been encouraging them. He's been... Uh, giving them theology lessons, and now he's going to move from there and begin to speak in a way of how to apply those things to our lives, to their lives as well. It says, finally, so in, in closing, in light of everything I've taught you about keeping your focus on the Lord and not on the world, 
That in the world you'll have tribulation, all the trials that are going on, the sovereignty of God and the free will of man, in light of everything that I told you, you, should, you shouldn't be fearful that the rapture already took place. It hasn't yet. Finally, brethren, pray for us. The word finally there means furthermore, or to add. Let me just add one more thing is what he's saying. And he says, pray for us. Paul was constantly asking for prayer. You know one of the things that we're afraid to do as Christians sometimes is ask for prayer. Sometimes we think if we ask for prayer, then people will know that we need prayer. <laughs> amen? How many of you need prayer? Okay, we all know it. We all need it. So get over it. Can I get an amen? And we need to ask for prayer. And when you, you know what else? When, we ask, when someone asks us for prayer, you know what you need to do? Pray. Not gossip. Not share it with 15 other people. Pray. Can I get an amen? Oh, I just need to share this with you about pastor because uh, he shared a prayer request with me and we need to pray for him and then use that as an opportunity to have roast, roast pastor after church. Can I get an amen? So what we do instead, what do we do when we need to ask for prayer? It's amazing. In 2 Corinthians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians and Philemon, Paul asked for prayer in every single one of them. And this is again a giant in the faith. This is a man used mightily by the Lord. But you know what? Often we think that people that are strong in the faith don't need prayer. What I would tell you is people that are strong in the faith pray a lot and have a lot of people praying for them. Can I get an amen? It's just the opposite. The greatest thing you can do for me and the greatest thing I can do for you is pray for each other. Amen? There are people that tell me, I pray for you every day. I'm like, that's the greatest gift anybody can ever give, give me. Amen? We need to be praying for each other. Again, sometimes when we think of the Apostle Paul... We think that this is a man who wouldn't need prayer. With such a bold and courageous and uncompromising man of God, we can begin to think he's so gifted that he can do it on his own. But Paul, as often as uh, he has an opportunity, revealed what he knew to be the key to the fruitfulness of his ministry. He prays, he asks for prayer from believers. How many of you guys know who Charles Haddon Spurgeon has? Ever heard of him before? Okay, he was called the Prince of Preachers in London back in the late 1800s. So over 100 years ago. And God brought revival in England. And his church, they didn't have live stream, and they, they're not on the radio stations like we are and things like that. But people were coming to their church in such droves that even in the rain, they would stand outside holding umbrellas and leaning in to hear the message. And people were getting saved by the hundreds. And God was doing a great and awesome work. And finally someone came to, and it was actually one of the, the people that worked in the church. It was a guy like a maintenance guy. And he said, what do you think the secret is to this church? Why is God doing such a great work? As a matter of fact, it was doing such a great work that the London Times reprinted his entire message word for word on the front page of the paper on Monday. Can you imagine if that was happening in California? Amen? Now, they said, what, what's the secret? And he took them down into this basement. And he said, you see this room? He said, well, our pastor is preaching. Over 200 people are down here praying. Guys, we want revival. It starts on our knees. Amen? We want to see God. Does California need Jesus? Yes. I've had some people say, okay, uh, our, our, our city, our, our country, our state is on fire. Again. Amen? And this is an opportunity to point people to the Lord. Uh, I know a lot of people that I love who've lost their houses already. My, my parents' house and my dad built for my mom 46 years ago. It may or may not be there anymore. I don't know. It's in the Santa Cruz Mountains. It's just a house. But, you know, it's sentimental for us. 
But you know what? Here's the reality. We're living in a time right now where with COVID and the race issues and the riots and, and now fires that will probably be followed by mudslides and all those things are going on around us. In the midst of it, we can have peace because we know the Prince of Peace. Amen? And we can come into the throne room of grace when Jesus died on the cross. The veil was torn. We can enter into his presence anywhere and anytime. They can only do it on, on the, you know, the Day of Atonement, on Yom Kippur. One day a year, the priest could enter into the you know, Holy of Holies. And we can enter in anywhere, anytime. And Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, praying for you right now. What a great and awesome God we serve. Amen? Amen? And so we need to be praying for each other. If we want to see God do a great work in our lives and through our lives, we need to be people of prayer. You know, the enemy loves to see believers isolate themselves. And I want to encourage you, look, if you're at home watching live stream because you're fearful of COVID, that's fine. God bless you. We love you. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. We love you. If you feel like you're susceptible. If you're staying home and watching on live stream because you're lazy, <laughs> get in your air-conditioned car and get over here in Jesus' name. Amen? I'm not being mean. Now, here's what I'm trying to say is, do we need fellowship? We need fellowship. Forsake not the gathering yourselves together and all the more as the day approaches. The enemy wants you isolated. He wants you by yourself. He wants you discouraged and depressed without any accountability, without any real source of encouragement. When I had my shoulder surgery, I watched Pastor Joshua and Pastor Doug and Pastor Tim teach on live stream. And that was a blessing. But it's not a substitute for fellowship. Amen? So Paul saying, pray for us and don't isolate yourself. We need to be in prayer. And again, what does Paul pray for? A big house? He didn't go to the name and claim it school in theology. Amen. He didn't pray for a big house. He's not praying for a, a, you know, a fast chariot. He's not praying for fame. He's not praying for health or wealth or prosperity. He's not praying for any of that. And we should learn from the examples we see in scripture of what we ought to pray for. Can I get an amen? I'll be honest with you. It's hard. I, 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 almost, I can honestly say I almost never pray for anything physical. I, I will confess to you. I did pray and ask God to spare my parents' house. I did. I prayed for that. And it felt, even that felt awkward to me because I rarely do that. I prayed for it because people, my wife got saved in the kitchen in that house. There were weddings on the deck. We always had people living there for over 46 years who weren't related. And so many people have gotten saved there. And God's done a great work there. And I would love to have it still be there. But if it's not, it's okay. But I feel even awkward praying for that. Because the things that we should be praying for are not the things that are temporal, but the things that are eternal. Amen? The only thing we're taking to heaven with us is people. Amen? And we should be praying for people by name. He also didn't say pray for my programs or, or pray for, you know, the, the next thing that we're going to do that God would be, you know, use. Here's what he prays for. Here's what it says. Pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified. Can I get an amen to that? Pray for us that God's word would go forth with power. Pray for us that the word of God would not return void. Pray for us that God would be glorified. Pray for us that the word of God would touch people's lives and people would be born again. See, he doesn't pray for himself. He never prays. Even when he was in prison, he didn't say, pray to get me out of here. He always prayed that God would be glorified because, guys, it's not about our comfort. It's about his glory. Can I get an amen? So here's the, here's the exhortation. Pray for us that God's word would go forth with power. That would run swiftly through the obstacles of the world and the enemy. 
Pray for other salvation, not for my comfort. Pray that the word of God would go out again as swiftly and powerfully around the world as it had in Thessalonica. Pray that God would be glorified, not that I would be comfortable, not that my name would be remembered, not that I would be promoted. By the way, what Satan means for evil, God will use for good. On the way over here, I stopped by, most of you know, Rob McCoy is my best friend. I've known him for years. We served in ministry together. I stopped by God speak on the way. You know, they have a restraining order and they're still having church. Amen? And do you know when all this started, they had 800 people, and a, week, a couple weekends ago, they had 7,000 people. So I think it's God's using it for His glory. Can I get an amen? When they tell us you can't have fellowship, we honor the government until they tell us we can't worship, and then we don't honor the government, we honor God. Amen? And we need to pray that in the midst of what's going on in the world right now, God bless you guys for finding us. Amen? We've moved twice in a week, and you guys have found us. Praise the Lord. We're so glad that you're here. But his prayer was, again, that God would be glorified, that lives would be changed. Paul was always thinking from a kingdom or an eternal perspective, not about his comfort or his pocketbook. God's will being done on earth and eternity being impacted. Pray that this, again, will happen. What, what God's will is plan is for the earth will happen. God, your will be done, not my will be done. Lord, help me to be used for your kingdom and for your glory. He says... Pray that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. He said, you know, what God did in Thessalonica was pretty amazing. The city was radically impacted. People got saved real good, as my dad used to say. They're on fire for the Lord. They're serving the Lord. They're promoting the kingdom of God. They're standing for him in the midst of pagan idolatry. And he said, pray that every city we go to responds the same way that it happened here. Verse 2. And that we may be delivered... From the unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. Literally, it says, un the word unreasonable men there is those who are out of place. The similar word is used uh, of the absurd men, who the religious leaders had paid off and stirred into a mob to chase Paul out of town. Men who have made false accusations against Paul and his companions trying to overthrow Rome. When, we, when you make a stand for the Lord... We don't, first of all, we don't even know what persecution is in this country. Can I get an amen? But we're tasting a little bit of it, and it's probably my fault, because I've been praying for, for about 20 years for persecution, so we, we'd have to choose who we're going to serve. Can I get an amen? You know what persecution does? It makes you all in or all out. Lord, I'm in. I'm in. Lord, we're going to have church. Lord, we're going to worship you. Lord, I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel. Lord, I'm going to stand for you. Lord, I can't do this without you. Don't be arrogant, never be self-righteous, stay humble, broken, and desperate, but stand for the Lord. And when persecution comes, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood when nobody else did, and that changed the king's mind in a day. Amen? And sometimes when you stand, you will face some persecution. But in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Amen? It says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you for my name's sake. For so they did the prophets who went before you. Jesus said that. Blessed are you if you get a little pushback. Don't be a jerk. Don't have pushback because of the way you treat people. Be kind, be loving, be gracious, but be unashamed of the gospel all at the same time. He's like, look, there are obstacles. There's people who are trying to thwart the gospel. There are people that are trying to quiet the gospel. There are people that are trying to shut down churches. There are people that are trying to attack it. And he said, look, pray that those obstacles would be removed. Pray that, pray that, that we will be able to meet and have church again. Amen? 
The Jewish religious leaders who had rejected Jesus as the, as the Messiah, in spite of all the clear teaching in Scripture in regards to the Messiah, hundreds of Old Testament references, they were trying to shut them down. They didn't like it. It was contrary to what they believed. So they were trying to silence the, the believers. And it's amazing to me now that we live in a, we've got a generation of young people we need to pray for. Pray, praise God for the godly people in that generation. Can I get an amen? We've got a lot of them in this room. God bless you guys. Stand for the Lord. We live in a time right now, if you stand up and say anything is absolute truth, you're a fascist. Amen? And they want to quiet you and tell you to keep it to yourself. Guys, and they'll tell, the world will tell you, you can't talk about religion and politics. Well, you can keep politics, but we're going to talk about Jesus because he's commanded us to do so. Amen? So he said, pray for us that the word of God would go forth with power and the obstacles to the gospel would be removed. And that's what we need to continue to pray for today. You know what's sad? Is Bible prophecy is so clear that Jesus is the Messiah. Can I get an amen? When Jesus was, after he rose from the dead, remember he walked on the road to Emmaus and two of the, two of the disciples came alongside him. And it says that he taught them everything from the, old, from the scriptures, which was the Old Testament, concerning himself. I love the Old Testament because Jesus is in every chapter. Amen? And one of the things, no doubt, when somebody, some of the things that Jesus taught him, no doubt he took him to Isaiah 53, where it talks about the crucifixion 700 years before crucifixion existed, and it was perfect. In Daniel chapter 9, it's, it gives us the, the prophecy that it will be 173,880 days from the, re, the command to rebuild the temple to when the Messiah enters Jerusalem. Well, guess what? In Nehemiah, the command went out to rebuild the, rebuild the temple. And 173,880 days, Jesus came into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, just as the Word of God said so. Guys, there's 200 of those. The Word of God is true, amen? And we can believe that we've seen the prophecy that's fulfilled and we can trust the prophecy that's coming, including the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back. He's saying, look, there's obstacles. There's those coming against us. There's those mocking the faith. Paul knew the law and the prophets and he, he laid out an airtight case. And sadly, we saw in Acts 17 that may, while many were saved, the religious leaders didn't like it and they chased him out of town. They took evil men, they gathered them up, and they got the whole city in an uproar. They chased Paul and Silas out of town. And this is why you and I need to pray as we proclaim the word of God that they may be delivered from such unreasonable and wicked men. Guys, we need to pray that we would proclaim the truth, do it in love, do it with boldness, and that the Lord would remove the obstacles. Can God remove the obstacles? Can God open it up that we can have church inside again next Sunday? Can he do that? Can God even use this for his glory? And he seems to be. Because like I said, I went over there this morning an hour before their first service and there wasn't a parking spot left at 8 o'clock. And I'm like, what Satan means for evil, God's using for good. Amen. God's glorified. God is doing great things. So he didn't pray for his comfort. He didn't pray for his fame. He prayed that God's word would go out quickly. That God would be glorified. Again, not for programs, but for power in his preaching. And again, that God would remove the obstacles that get in the way of the gospel. It says, notice there, so we're not all have faith. So there are those, and I want to say this just briefly, that Satan doesn't come, you know, with a pitchfork in his hand and horns growing out of his head and say, come follow me. We wouldn't fall for it. Can I get an amen? But the Bible talks about him coming as an angel of light. And what will happen is, they will use the name of the Lord. It will sound very much like the word of God, but they'll be preaching a false gospel. And so guys, the only way you're going to know a lie 
or recognize the lies if you know the truth. Amen? And that's why we need to know the Word of God. So point number one there in how Christ soon returns should impact our daily lives. First, it should impact our prayer life. What we pray for and how often we ask others to pray for us. Paul, every letter he wrote asked for prayer. We need prayer. By the way, if you didn't know it, we have prayer every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. Uh, we used to do it over the other place, but we're, we're going we're to have a room here where we have prayer. We also have, if you're on flock note, we have prayer uh, several nights a week where you can just go in, type in a phone number, get on the line, and we can pray together. And you know what? We, let's, use, let's use technology for the, for the kingdom of God. Amen? We have that opportunity to pray with and pray for each other. Point number two, what do we put our faith in? It's giving practical things. We need to pray. We need to pray for the word of God to go forth with power. We need to pray for the eternal. We need to pray to reach people. And then he talks about what we put our faith in. Look at verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. Can I get an amen to that? Now the man that says that Paul, that the Lord is faithful, let me remind you. This is the man who has been beaten with rods. This is the man who has been shipwrecked. This is the man who was in a shipwreck. First servant, servant in the Bible that I know of, got on a board and got into shore. Amen. And then he gets to shore and he's, at, he's helping tend a fire and the snake jumps out and bites him. And they're all waiting for him to die and he didn't. He's, he was stoned to death at Lystra. This is a man who everywhere he went, he started a revival or a riot. He'd been falsely imprisoned. He'd been beaten with rods. Like I said, he'd been scourged. All the things he's been through. And he doesn't say, God's not fair. He says, God is faithful. Amen? And a lot of times we will say, God is not fair, because we're looking at our temporary circumstances instead of having a focus on the eternal glory and then having an impact on the kingdom of God. Amen? Guys, we say we are willing to live for the Lord. We say Many would say we're willing to die for the Lord. I think if a guy came in here right now, if the, if the government came in with, with guns and said, if you don't deny Christ, we're going to kill you, most of us would be in heaven. Amen? But do you know what's even harder than that? Than harder than dying for the Lord is living for Him every day in the face of opposition. Can I get an amen to that? To say, Lord, I'm going to live for you. Because you know what, Lord? You're faithful. And that means if you want to burn my house down so you can be, okay. Lord, if, you want, if I'm going to lose my job, if I have to go through a disease, whatever I have to go through, Lord, as an opportunity for the gospel, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, Job said. And when Job's wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? He said, shall I praise him in times of blessing and not in times of adversity? Guys, spiritual maturity is seeing that we praise God always. Amen? And we recognize that he is a faithful God. The Lord is faithful says the man who went through the greatest trials recorded in Scripture outside of our Savior. He is faithful. I love that. Doesn't mean we won't be persecuted. For persecuted, he's still faithful. In the midst of great trials, he's still in control. Nothing happens unless God allows it. Can I get an amen to that? It's, there's peace in the sovereignty of God. It has to go through God's hand to get to us. Did God know COVID was coming? Did God know the trials that would come with it? Did you know about the fires that are taking place and all the racial, all the racial divide that's taking place in our country? He knows about all of it. He knew it was coming. So now we need to say, okay, Lord, how do you want me to respond to this? How are you going to use even these difficulties for your glory? We need to be praying, Lord, give us wisdom. Notice he says, God is faithful who, was, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. God promised to keep 
Satan on a leash. He will not allow any temptation to become too great for us. It says with temptation, he makes a way of escape. Now, who tempts us? Who is it? Satan. Now, trials can come from the Lord, but all temptation comes from Satan. The Bible tells us with temptation, God makes a way of escape. I love to remind you that with every temptation, it's not just an opportunity to fall. It's an opportunity to grow. Because if you are tempted and you fall for it, sin has consequences. But if you are tempted and you resist it, you actually grow spiritually. But here's the good news. God never allows Satan to do it. It has to go through God's hand. Even what Satan does to get to us. God is in control, God is faithful, and we can trust Him. But notice what He says here. I think this is important. It says that God will guard you from the evil one. Guys, we don't have to fight with Satan. We let God take care of it. Can I get an amen? amen. Here's an error right here. I hear people do this. I want to encourage you. We don't need to address Satan in our prayers. And Satan had to fight. No, God already took care of Satan. Can I get an amen to that? Let God take care of him. We don't focus on Satan. We focus on the Lord. Amen? We keep our eyes on Him. We seek Him. We praise Him. We worship Him. This is another reason why the Bible, to me, it's so clearly pre-tribulational. If, if we're leaving before the tribulation, we're looking for Jesus. If we're leaving halfway through the tribulation, we're looking for the Antichrist. Amen? And I believe the Lord wants us looking for Him, not looking for the enemy. And He says the Lord will guard you. They can say, thank you, Lord, for guarding us from the evil one. Thank you, Lord, for, you know, standing next to me in the midst of this. Thank you, Lord, that you're such a faithful God. Then he says, and we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things which we command you. Here's Paul encouraging the church at Thessalonica. We have confidence that what you have learned, you're going to live. We have confidence that the word of God that has impacted your life, that even though you're facing great opposition, that you're going to continue to seek the Lord and serve the Lord and follow the Lord. What a great word of encouragement coming from their pastor. Amen. To remind them, I, you know what? We have faith that what God has done, you know, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Amen. And he's exhorting and encouraging them. He has confidence in the Lord's faithfulness. And the fact that the Lord will be with them and give them the strength to live out loud for the Lord. Then he says in verse 5, Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. In Thessalonica, it was pretty volatile. The world around them, kind of like it is right now for us. We don't even know what to expect next. And that's how they're living. We don't know if they're going to come shut us down from meeting here. They could. So we don't know what, what's next. But he's saying in the midst of all of that, even though they went to bed at night not knowing who might rise up against them the next day, even as they slept, he directed them back to the love of God. Guys, when you're fearful, just go back to the love of God. Amen? When you're worried, go back to the love of God. When you don't know what the future holds, go back to the love of God. Guys, the love of God, the grace of God, and the mercy of God. He's a faithful God. We can trust His character. Amen? And we need to be encouraged and be reminded to always look back to the love of God. In the midst of such great trials and difficulty, again, even if the world has taken everything from you, if you think that you have nothing and no one left on your side, remember that the Lord loves you. Now, who loves you? Let me tell you a little bit about Him. He's the creator of all things. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's holy. He's perfect. He's righteous. He's just. 
He's faithful. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's always present. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's the one who holds the universe in His hands. He holds the future and the keys to heaven. He loves you. He adopted you. He will never leave you. Guys, that's our Savior. Amen? And you know when we get bummed out and we forget all of that. And we start looking at the circumstances. But I lost my job. I'm not saying that's not something to be dealt with. But He is Jehovah Jireh, Lord God, our provider. He will provide. Amen? When we, go, when we have kids who are wayward, when we have health issues, whatever those things are that we go through in life, always focus back on the love of God and the character of God and the grace of God, not the trials that are going on in your life. He doesn't just tolerate you. Sometimes I think God really is tolerant of me. Can anybody else? Amen. I, I, you do stuff and you're like, how could he still love a knucklehead like me? Am I the only one that ever thinks that? But he does. And do you know he doesn't just tolerate you? He knows you best and he loves you most. He knows every wicked bow thing you've ever done or are going to do. The stuff you've told nobody else because you'd be so ashamed of it. He knows it. He knows all about it. And he still loves you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a gracious God we serve. He loves you and sees you as a precious child. He loves you so much he'd rather die than live without you. Hear me say it often. How do you, how do you determine the value of something? What somebody's willing to pay. And his son went to the cross and suffered and died in your place. He suffered as if he lived your life and my life so we could be rewarded as if we lived his. What a great and awesome God we serve. He's with you in the midst of every trial, every difficulty. You're not alone. He says not only into the love of God, but into the patience of Christ. No one's more patient than Jesus. Amen. And the Lord's calling us to have that same heart of patience. Who struggles with patience? I've been praying like a week. And God hasn't answered my prayer yet. And then we get mad at God. Lord, give me patience right now mentality, right? And the reality is that sometimes the hardest thing God can say to our prayers is wait. We can deal with no. We love yes. And if he says wait, that's hard. But he's telling them that we need to walk in patience. To look at our Savior, what he endured on behalf of sinful man. All he patiently suffered, that was he unjustly, was judged and beaten and mocked and scourged and then crucified. He patiently endured out of love for you, out of love for me, and even love for those who were mocking him at that time. It's been said it wasn't nails that held our Savior to the cross, it was his love for us. He thought about you as he was hanging on Calvary. The next time that you're feeling overwhelmed and you don't feel like you could wait upon the Lord, just remember how patient he was as he went to the cross and how patient he has been with each and every one of us. No matter what our trial or persecution, it can't hold a candle to what our Savior has endured. And may we look to and learn from his incredible love and patience toward us. And you know what? Lord, help us to have that same patience with others. Amen. We can get impatient with others. And the Lord, just remember how patient He is with us. We're to forgive others the way Christ has forgiven us. As sure as Jesus is in heaven, we too will one day be with Him. We put our faith not in our ability, but in the faithfulness of Almighty God. You know what? It's sad when I talk to somebody, you've heard me say this often, you say, are you going to heaven? And the response is, I hope so. Let me encourage you, Christianity is not a hope so, it's a no so. Amen? And it's not arrogance. It's trusting in God's promises and His character to say, I know for sure that by the shed blood of the Lamb, by the promises of God's Word, 
that I'm going to heaven. I know so. How many know you're going to heaven? Praise the Lord. Amen. And guys, when we get bummed out, when we're going through the difficulties of life, we need to be reminded. My sister called me. My brother called me. We're all concerned about the house my dad built for my mom. It's very, it's like the Walton's house. It's where every big country home up in the mountains. It's where every Christmas was, every Thanksgiving was. So many things have happened there. And they're both on the phone and we're all kind of bummed that it's, it's a good chance it's going to be burnt to the ground. And then it was good, Ryan. Uh, guys, we going to heaven, right? Are we going to heaven? Oh, yeah, we're going to heaven. Is God still in control? And you know the house is going to burn eventually. It just might burn earlier. Amen. Because everything on this planet is going to burn anyway. Can I get an amen? And we need to have an eternal perspective. And again, it's okay to care. But guys, it's the Lord. It's eternity that matters. Amen? Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Encouraging words for those enduring persecution. Again, put your faith in the Lord and trust in His character. Point number three. How we deal with sinful behavior within the church. Now... Paul's addressing this because this is stuff that was taking place. And it was even taking place from kind of a spiritual perspective. Here's what was happening. People believed the rapture of the church was coming soon. So they were quitting their jobs. And they're like, well, if the Lord's coming back, there's no need for me to work. So I'm just going to quit my job and go pray. Or I'm, gonna, I'm just going to quit my job and trust that God will provide. Well, Paul's going to address that. Because while we, while we trust that God is sovereign and He's coming back soon, the Bible says to the men that you will toil by the sweat of your brow all the days of your life. Amen? By the way, that's in Genesis 3. That's the beginning of the book. Amen? He let them know right off the bat, by the way, work is good for a man, isn't it? It is. Women working too, but men, you're called to work. If you're not, okay, we're going to go through it. I'm going to just, here it comes, it's coming. You ready? Thou shalt not be lazy. Amen? So how do we deal with simple behavior within the church? We admonish them from the word and we withdraw with, from them as they continue in sin. Here's what he says. But we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly, not according to the tradition which you have received from us. Whoa. Here's what he says. If you've got somebody who's calling themselves a Christian and they are living according to the world, and they're walking in open rebellion against Almighty God, you are to withdraw yourself from that person. That seems harsh, and it seems unloving from a worldly perspective. Does God know what he's talking about? What's the answer? Withdraw from people that are in open rebellion. Let me tell you why. God does not want anybody to think that you can have fellowship with God and be in open rebellion against him at the same time. Can I get an amen to that? Fellowship or rebellion, choose one. If you're going to walk in open rebellion, if you're going to disregard what the Word of God says, if you're basically going to shake your fist at God in the way that you live your life, you shouldn't be able to show up at church on Sunday morning like everything's okay. Now, He doesn't say that we withdraw from them to destroy them, but to restore them. We had a man in, in another church, I thought, I'm not even gonna, I don't, I don't want to get too specific at all, okay? We had a guy. And he had gotten upset with his wife and kids. They were spending too much money. So he moved out of his house into his RV and turned off all the electricity in his house and stopped buying food. That's a Christ-like response to your wife and children. So I went over and met with him first. I'm not doing it. Brought the elders. Not doing it. She just learned how not to spend so much money. 
Wow, okay. So finally we warned him. And then we disfellowshipped him. I don't like doing that. He was a great guy. Got in front of the church said, if you see so-and-so, steer clear of him. Pray for him. But he, he's not going to continue in fellowship until he repents and starts being the man that God's called him to be. You know, it took about three months. He was in my office in tears and said, what do I got to do? I said, bro, just be the man that God's called you to be. And, and first of all, the man who doesn't provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. Start taking care of your family, bro. Amen? And you know what happened? To this day, he tells me that was the best thing anybody ever did to me in my life was to not let me continue to live the way that I was living and love me enough to tell me the truth when it was hard. Amen? Amen. Now, we don't want to walk around like sin sniffers waiting for everybody to make a mistake. And by the way, we got a room full of sinners. Can I get an amen to that? But it's an open rebellion where you make a conscious choice that you know what the Word of God says. You're going to live contrary to it and you don't care. And then you think you can just show up at church on Sunday. I was pastoring a church and a guy showed up at church. Unbelievable. Guy shows up at church. He's married to another woman in our church. And he shows up with the woman he's having an affair with and sits in the front row. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I close the open a prayer and I'm like, really? Okay, worship. Come here. Bro, no. You're wiping your children over here and you brought your mistress to church. Here's the exhortation here is that he's making is look. When someone is walking in open rebellion, you need to deliver that person up. Why? Not to destroy them, but to restore them. Amen? It's actually a loving thing to love people enough to tell them the truth. You've heard me say Christians don't stab each other in the back, they stab each other in the front. Amen? And notice this is a command. It's not a suggestion. There aren't the ten suggestions in the Bible. Amen? It's the ten commandments. And he says there, but we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, these following words are to be received with great reverence and seriousness. And again, note the connection back to verse 4. It says, both you want to, to do as we command. He said, I'm exhorting you, I'm encouraging you, that you will do as you command. And then we command you to withdraw from everyone who walks disorderly, not according to the tradition which they have received from us. The command comes in the name of the Lord. It's expected to be received. The word to withdraw is to furl the sails. It's like to steer clear. They're near you. You throw the sails up and the wind takes you in the other direction away from them. Again, pray for them. You don't have to be mean or spiteful when you see them. Hey, we love you. We're praying for you, bro. Walk away. Why? Because that, that person needs to come to the place of repentance. Walks in disorderly and not according to the tradition. Now, we're traditionary. It's not man-made traditions, but it's the Word of God. That He had delivered to them, living in direct contrast to the Word of God. Here's the other reason why we ought to do that. Bad company corrupts good morals. Can I get an amen to that? So if you just continue to hang out with people that are openly disobeying the Word of God and are mocking what the Lord says and living outside of His will, and then you think that God's going to bless your relationship with Him, you're, that company causes you to drift. I've shared this with you before. My mom, who's now in her 80s, and she's got Alzheimer's, and she's not even verbal. I haven't been able to see her in six months because of COVID. Most godly woman I've ever met. When I was a little boy, I never forget what she taught me. I remembered it my whole life. I was probably seven or eight years old. She had me stand up on a chair. She says, okay, son, pick me up. I tried to pick up my mom, and of course, I can't move her. And then she says, let me pull you down. She just pulled on my arm, and I came down immediately. Guys, it's a lot easier for the world to pull you down than then for you to pull them up. Can I get an amen? And when you're hanging out with the world, you need to be careful. 
You minister to the world, but you have no fellowship with it. I was driving home from a sales, and most of you guys know I have a full-time job, and this is 20 years ago, 25 years ago. I'm driving home from a sales uh, thing, and I'm in the back of this van. They, they put us on a van. We drove down to San Diego. We're coming back, and there's eight other guys in the van that all work with me, and I know them all well. And I had fallen asleep in the back of the van for a while. When I woke up, I was hearing all seven of them talking about all the women they were sleeping with, and they were all married. And I'm in the back, and I was, I was probably 25 years old. And so I just sat there and listened for a minute, and then I said, <clears throat> oh, Dave's away, uh-oh. And I said, uh, hmm, I wonder how your wives are going to respond when I tell every one of them what you guys have been talking about. I will tell. In Jesus' name, I will tell. And by the grace of God back then, I was still a pretty big guy, and there's nothing they could do about it. In Jesus' name, amen? And they were all in panic mode. And I said, how would you feel if your wife was cheating on you? Oh, I would hate that. Oh, and, and some of you guys call yourself Christians. Amen? Guys, it's not okay to just look the other way when someone's living in open. Love them enough to put your... And don't tell everybody. Just put your arm around them. That's what starts. Matthew 18. Go to your brother one-on-one. Bro, I've seen this in your life. I care about you. I love you. This is not okay. This is not how you're supposed to live your life according to the... Are you a Christian? Do you want to obey God? Give them a chance to repent. Amen? And we need people like that in our lives. And he is telling them, steer clear of those who walk in open defiance, who walk in disorder. Uh, again. Now what is it that he's this disorder he's talking about? Is it murder? Is it adultery? I've already given it away. Is it idol worship? No. It's being lazy. Look at, look at verse 7. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we are not disorderly among you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge. But worked with labor and toil day and night that we might not be a burden to any one of you. Here's what Paul says. You knew us. We came in to minister to you, and even when we were there, we didn't take anything from you. We all worked so that we could provide for ourselves. That's the example of a godly woman and a godly man. You've heard me say this. We should be the best workers at our company. Can I get an amen to that? We should put a, give them a full day's work for a full day's pay. Have a great attitude when you're there. Honor the Lord in the way that you do your job. I tell my boss all the time, I do my job as unto Jesus. So if I honor the Lord, I'll be an honor. I'll honor you. Amen? If I do my job as unto the Lord, I'll be a blessing to the customers that I deal with. And that's the exhortation. He said, you've seen how we acted. We didn't all sit around and wait for the rapture and expect someone else to feed us. He said, we went out. And we worked hard. Now, some had quit their jobs, again, in anticipation that the Lord was coming back. But guess what? You quit your job, you run out of food pretty quick. And they were expecting someone else to feed them and someone else to care for them because they were being spiritual, sitting on a mountain, uh, waiting for the Lord to come back. Or sitting in their backyard or whatever they were doing, waiting for the Lord to come back. Since the Lord could come at any time, I don't want him to come back and and find me, you know, serving coffee in a coffee house or attending a secular college or building a house for an unbeliever. So instead, I'm just going to devote myself to prayer. And again, we need to pray more. We're to pray without ceasing. The fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But those who are spiritual, those who would use spiritual truth as an excuse to be lazy, to sponge off other believers, that's not God's called us to do. We're to follow the whole counsel of God. We're to toil by the sweat of our brow all the days of our life. My son, one of my sons, David, got a job three weeks ago, and it's one of my customers, and I'm, I've never seen him like it. They work six days a week, 12 hours a day. My son leaves the house at 6 a.m., he gets home at 8 o'clock, and he collapses. He gets up the next day and does it again, and I love it. <laughs> I love it. I said, you know what, son? God's making a man out of you in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen to that? 
Because you know what? It's good for And you know what? He loves it. He goes, I love getting up and going to work. I love being able to, you know, and I'm learning to trade and I'm loving every minute of it. Why? Because that's what God's programmed us to do. Amen? He's created us to work hard. By the way, your place of employment doesn't keep you from ministry. It's your mission field. Amen? The same reason I still have a job. Same reason I had a job when our church was very large in Santa Cruz. I love that I get to go see people every day, most of whom don't know the Lord. And I get to tell them about Jesus. It gets us out of our comfort zone. It gives us an opportunity to be meant to minister. You're the salt and light of wherever you work. You're the salt and light of your neighborhood. God has you there for a reason. And those who want to sit back and do nothing until the Lord returns. It's the parable of the talents. Remember one buried his talent in the ground and did nothing with it? And the Lord came back and took that talent and gave it to the one who had five and was faithful with them. God's called us to be faithful, not to be lazy. Amen? Man who does not provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. Had some young, we had some young men in Santa Cruz, I remember, they came through town. And they told me, uh, we've been anointed by God to go around and just intercede on behalf of others. So, whose house are we staying at? How much money can you give us? And what's for dinner? <laughs> give a cup of cold water in the name of the Lord. I said, yeah, bro, that's talking about you giving a cup of cold water too. Amen. And so, you know, I told these guys, I go, guys, okay, I get it. But let me, let me clue you in on something. A man who does not work shall not eat. So I know a guy in our company that owns a lumber yard. I just called him. You guys can both start working there today if you'd like. Go down to the lumberyard. They're going to be sweeping sheds and hauling concrete around. You ready? You want to go do that? Oh, no. We're called to this Thessalonians chapter 3. Amen? And there's this mentality that we over-spiritualize things to give reasons. I have, I have, I've had people come to our church office in Santa Cruz that would say, all the because we had pastors on staff. I wasn't one of them. We had pastors on staff that said, all those pastors need to get jobs so you can give me money because I've been out of work for a year. I said, have you, have you, how many job interviews have you been on? I've been on two. I'm thinking you need to work a little harder than that. Amen? The exhortation here is, people say Jesus was homeless. And they'll use that for communism and other things where let everybody else work and then you can sponge off of them. That's not biblical. Can you, do you see that anywhere in the Bible? Amen? He had no place to lay his head because he was busy about the Father's work, but also Jesus was a carpenter. Amen? Paul was a, a tent maker. Uh, Aquila and Priscilla, tent makers, we see them saved in the Bible. I wonder who shared Jesus with them. Amen? God has you where he has you for a reason to be used for his kingdom and his glory. They endure, we, we endure, these guys endure great um, hardship during their time in ministry in order to reach others with the gospel but idleness and laziness were not a part of our savior's character nor should they be a part of ours and it was not tolerated by the apostle paul paul said not only is it ungodly but you would draw from them now i want you to notice what it says here as we read verse 9 and 10 not because we don't not because we do not have authority but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. He's saying, look, we don't work, not because we couldn't ask you. Could the Apostle Paul ask for an offering to take care of him as an, as an Apostle? Could he have done that? Yes. But he chose not to. Because he didn't want to stumble anybody. He wanted to be an example. Look at verse 10. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, 
neither shall he eat. Is that pretty direct? Now, I want you to notice something. It says, will not, not cannot. Amen? So if someone's disabled and can't work, should we help them? What's the answer? Yes. Should we make sure they're fed and cared for? What's the answer? Yes. So if someone cannot, if someone's got physical limitations, um, if, if there's a huge layoff and all these people lose their jobs because of COVID, it's not because they're not willing to work, but at that time they, they don't have a job and they're continuing to look. We take care of those people. Can I get an amen? But it's the one who, who refuses to work. I'm not doing it. I'm, not, I'm above that job. I'm, I'm above that. I tell people all the time, get a job while you're looking for the job. Amen? I see, Wendy's is hiring. Amen? There's places that are hiring. Put your head down. Go work. Don't be, don't, you know, I'd rather work three jobs than have my wife having to go out. I'm, that's just how I'm built. I think that's how God created us to be. Amen? God's called you to be a provider in your household. Amen? You're to protect your wife, love your wife, serve your wife. By the way, one of my sons went out on a date the other day and he made her pay. I'm like, get over here. <laughs> Sit down. We don't do that. Can I get an amen to that? That's not a biblical point, but that's, that's character. My wife didn't pay for anything from the day I met her and she hasn't paid for anything since. Can I get an amen? Because that's my wife. I'm called to provide for her. Amen? And protect her and love her and serve her and lay down my life for her. It's time for men to man up. Can I get an amen? Well, my wife's got two jobs. She's looking for a third so I can continue to stay home and play video games. Dude, I'm going to lose my, I'm going to lose it in Jesus name. Amen. It's not a loving thing to prop up this kind of behavior. And this is what he's talking about. It's in the Bible. A man who does not work will not eat. This is why I don't give money to guys with signs. I offer them jobs. I've yet to have one take me up. Bro, you want to come trim my head? Just give you 50 bucks. It's not, it's not worth 10. Oh, yeah, no, dude. I'm, yeah, no, I don't. I can make 100 standing here. Hey, man. Laziness is a sin. Not only should we not support them, we should withdraw from them. This is not a godly representation of his love and calling upon our lives don't have anything to do with, the, with them socially. Don't support them out of guilt or some form of misguided Christian love. Recognize it as walking in disorderliness against the word of God. Paul had taught them, again, that if a man does not work, does not work, is not willing to work, who will not work, neither shall he eat. Paul didn't just teach it, he lived it. You know what I love about People that serve in this church, all of them are hard workers when they're not here. And then they're hard workers when they are here. Can I get an amen to that? Whatever they're doing, they're serving. Nobody will serve in ministry here who's not willing to work hard when they're not here. Amen? It's a biblical perspective. That's the way that it's supposed to be. Paul, though, delivering such an incredible message, worked hard, toiled night and day. He worked up. Here's Paul's. You want to hear why his daily schedule? You think your daily schedule is tough? Here's how it works. He worked all, all morning making tents until the heat of the day. Here's what they would do in the Middle East. From about two to six, they would take like a siesta, that picture, right? They would stop working because it's 100. So they would start work early in the morning when the sun came up. In the middle of the day, they would take time off. You know what Paul did during those days? Preached. He would work, making tents all day, stop, go preach for four hours. Share the gospel with anybody you could talk to. Go, all, you know, go from house to house, everywhere he went, out in the heat of the day. Everybody's resting, he's preaching. Guess what? When the sun went down, he went back to work. When the work day ended, he went back to preaching. 
You know what? That, he, I'll rest when I get to heaven. Amen? That was his mentality. And that's the heart that he's explaining here in this text. No one believed more in the rapture of the church than Paul. No one believed and lived every day like it was more eminent than Paul. But when the Lord comes back, don't we want to be found busy about his work? And that includes providing for our families. Can I get an amen to that? That's what God has called us to do. As a Christian, whatever you, wherever you go, whatever you do, you're doing God's business. And again, it says not can't work, but chooses not to work. No, no able-bodied man should expect others to work to provide for him. Let me say that one more time. No able-bodied man should expect others to work to provide. Now again, I know it's COVID right now. I'm not talking about those of you who lost your jobs because of COVID, and right now you have to be on unemployment and you're trying to find another job. I'm not talking about that, please, okay? That's not my heart. I'm talking about the person who makes every excuse in the world not to work. Amen? And the Word of God tells us that it's not okay. What we get from our jobs is sometimes more valuable than money. Working hard teaches you how to be disciplined, how to be diligent, how to work hard, how to represent the Lord in the workplace. Hard work produces godly character. Amen? Show me a lazy man. My dad's, one of my dad's favorite sayings was, give something to a, if you want to need something done, give it to a busy man. Because the guy doing a hundred things, you give him one more thing, he'll get them all done. The guy's doing nothing, you give him one thing, he'll have an excuse why he can't do that. Is, there, is that not true? He's being practical. Amen? Now watch, let's finish up. For we hear that there are some among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. I love it. they got so much time on their hands, they're not working. They're just talking trash about everybody who's at work. Amen? They're gossips. They're busybodies. They're going around talking about everybody else. You know what's amazing? It's not in the Bible, but, you know, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Amen? When you've got too much time on your hands, if you're not spending it with the Lord, if you're not spending it doing something for the kingdom of God, if you're not reaching out to others, you're not spending it in prayer, guess what? A lot of trouble comes. It says in verse 12, And now those who are such, we command and exhort to our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness, that they eat their own bread. The work in quietness is a sign of godly character, working without fanfare, seeking no recognition, just doing your job as unto the Lord. I read a commentator. I wouldn't say this, but here's what this commentator said on working in quietness. Here's, what it's, here's his commentary. Shut up and get a job. what he said. <laughs> Work in quietness. Shut up and get a job, dude. Just shut up and get a job. They eat their own bread. Those who work even unnoticed by the world, God will provide for them. Amen? Then verse 13, almost done. But as you brethren, do not grow weary in well-doing. Guys, we can grow weary two ways. By operating in our own strength. Guys, if you're doing it in your own strength, you're going to be exhausted. If you're doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit, the strength is limitless. Amen? If we're doing it for the Lord and the Lord is empowering us to do it, then it's limitless. But if we do it in our own strength, According to our own ways, we're going to get burnt out. People say, Pastor Dave, you think you're ever going to burn out? The only way I'm burning out is if I get away from the source of the fire, and that's the Lord, and I don't plan on moving. Can I get an amen? You don't burn out if you hang on to the Lord. You don't burn out if you're constantly in His presence. If you're doing it in your own strength, you will burn out, and you will get exhausted, and it will become overwhelming. 
So we operate according to the flesh, we grow weary, and by looking at things from a physical perspective, seeing others taking advantage of Christian generosity. If you are being faithful, you don't grow weary because of the laziness of others. You're faithful and you leave them in the hands of the Lord. Look at verse 14. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. There's some men who call themselves godly that should be ashamed. Amen. I'm picking on the guys because I are one. Can I get an amen? Guys, we need to do what God's called us to do. God has told us that he is using us to provide for our families. Is God a liar? Is God going to be faithful to that promise? You might have to humble yourself and do things you're not used to doing, but you do it. And do it as unto the Lord and honor God. If you're being faithful, you won't grow weary. Because of the laziness of others. And again, if he doesn't work, withdraw from him. Don't encourage the behavior. The word ashamed there means made to look and turn into himself. He's ashamed. So what does he do? He realizes, man, the way I'm living is wrong. And I've got to change my behavior and honor the Lord. Filling himself by shunned by his godly brethren, he may become ashamed of his course. And delivered, not from destruction, again, but for restoration. Look at verse 15. He says, yet... Do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. So you don't kick the guy to the curb and just and be hateful and, and unkind to him. You see him as a brother and you're saying, bro, because we love you, you can't continue to fellowship and live in open rebellion at the same time. And because we love, if the guy calls and wants help with his resume, help him. Can I get an amen? If he needs to find a way to get a job, help him with that. Maybe even offer him a job. But what we don't do is let him continue in his open rebellion. And the word there, admonish, means to caution or reprove, to steer clear of intimate fellowship with that person. Final point, we'll go through this quickly. Here's how he ends this letter to the church in Thessalonica. Notice the exhortation has grace. Look what happens. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is a sign in every epistle, so I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Whenever Paul delivers a hard word like the one we just heard, he always follows it up with the grace of God. When we have to tell somebody something difficult that may brought conviction this morning. If you're convicted, that's between you and the Lord. And if there's something that needs to change, go change it. But here's the encouragement. The Lord loves you and so do we. Amen. And we're admonishing you and we're encouraging you. And I need to be admonished. We all need to be admonished. Amen. We all need to not just go to work but do our job as unto the Lord. We need to be salt and light wherever we go and honor Him. So in closing, how Christ soon returns should impact our lives. First, it should impact our prayer life. What are we praying for? The temporal or the eternal? How often we ask for prayer? Again, it's pride that keeps us from asking for prayer. So if you think you don't need to ask for prayer, then ask someone to pray for you about your pride because you won't ask for prayer. And again, amen. So be praying. Secondly, what do we put our faith in? In our own ability, our own bank account, our own strength, and we put it in the faithfulness of God. How do we deal with simple behavior? Admonish them lovingly from the word. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Withdraw as they continue in sin, not to destroy them, but to restore them. And remember, whenever we have to share something difficult with somebody, do it in love. Amen. Show them the love of God, the grace of God, and the mercy of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the practicality of this chapter. And Lord, I, I know that I've been exhorting and studying it this week. We all need to be. 
Lord, may we not be satisfied with saved souls and wasted lives. May we not be satisfied, Lord, sitting on the sideline or bearing the talent you've given us in the ground. But Lord, may we serve you. First, give us a heart to pray, to ask others to pray for us. When we pray, may we pray for that which is eternal. Things will outlast this lifetime, not just for our own temporary comfort. Well, we pray you would teach us how to pray in a more faithful way. Help us, Lord, to keep our faith in you and not in ourselves. Not to put our faith in the stock market or our own strength or the job that we have or the talents or giftings that you've given us. But, Lord, to keep our faith in you. Not our faith in the government. Not our faith in the White House. Our faith in the throne of grace. Lord, help us. And then help us, Lord, if we are walking in open disorderly conduct. We're living a life contrary to the word of God. This morning's chapter talks about working hard, but if we're in a relationship with an unbeliever, if we're, if we're in intimacy with someone we're not married to, if we're leaving work early, if we're stealing from our bosses in any way, Lord, if we're living any way of life, Lord, that needs to be corrected, bring conviction upon our hearts. May we repent this morning and turn our lives back to you completely. And Lord, as we exhort and encourage each other, may we always do it in love. I pray everyone here would know that you love them so much, you'd rather die than live without them. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name, we pray, and all God's people said...